Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. So this is part seven, third to the last on the qualifications or gospel exalting qualifications for eldership. And it's always a joy that we read that every Sunday, uh, praying that the men will memorize 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, that we will memorize that by heart. Or maybe the women in the church will memorize it by heart so you can remind us, men, of how we are supposed to be as men. Parang mas mag-memorize yung mga women, especially the wives. So this is the Gospel Exalting Qualifications for Eldership, Part 7. And specifically, we'll be looking at verses 4 and 5, where we would learn that elders should be sacrificial and wise household leaders. So yung mga men po natin sa church, we expect us to be sacrificial and wise household leaders. Leaders. Now, how many of these successful men out there who have everything worked for them except their family? We've heard a lot of those stories. Men who are successful. Men who are CEOs and managers and presidents. Everything worked for them except their family. In fact, the reason why their family is broken and dysfunctional is because they do not have time for their family. And they give themselves fully to their work at the expense of their family. Now, a father in the church can either be passive you know, in, in our leadership, and especially in the context here in the Philippines where men relegate, men relegate the responsibility to the wife. Do na kayo sa mama niyo. You know? Passive, or on the other hand, it could be active in, in you know, leading the family, but most of them have a wrong concept of leadership. And so long as the men provided some sort of leadership, uh, many would be content with that. Many would not go further and beyond that to think, am I leading my family rightly? And I would surmise, I would, that, that the problem really is that we do not understand how important um, to be a good father. How important is it to be a good leader in the house? We do not know how, how important is that. And this is the reason why Men have been reading leadership books to be successful. We devour books that tells us how to be a good manager. We devour books that tells us how to make a thing works. But many of these men, even Christians, who who read a lot of leadership books, do not even or have not even read one book about parenting. Or one book about being a good leader in the family. It is obvious that this is not given the importance that it should have. Paul would not have anything, would have nothing to do with that kind of thinking. For Paul, if you have not proved your leadership in the house, you have no business leading the church. So we will be looking at today why Leadership is best learned in the house. Leadership is best learned in the house. I'm not saying we are perfect. In fact, the more we try to be good leaders in the house, the more we see that we're awful. 
But we want to see why we should learn that one first in the house today. Now, we are now in verses 4 to 5, where Paul specifically talks about how we are as leaders in, in the house. And we would learn basically from verses, in verses 4 to 5, we would learn basically that we need to learn how to wisely and sacrificially lead. That's what we will be looking. So here's our big idea this morning. Becoming a good leader of his own household means one has learned to sacrificially and wisely lead, which is at the heart of leading the household of God. We have to learn how to lead sacrificially and wisely because it is at the heart of leadership in the church. The kind of leadership that should be provided in the household of God is that of caring, founded, governing. Caring, founded, governing or ruling. It means, yes, leaders should govern. It's it's part of Um, our responsibilities. But they do so because they care for the people. What we are saying is that if we truly care for each one, we should organize things. We should organize things because if not, the flock will be chaotic instead of growing in a healthy and spiritual environment. But this kind of leadership is learned and proven in how a man leads his household. I think about the Lord hiring elders in the church. And like us, when we are applying for a job, especially for a leadership job, we present our resume. What would prove that we can do the task? And in terms of leadership, our resume should be filled with we have learned how to lead our families. Again, learned does not mean perfectly. As Philip Ryken wrote, and I quote, he said, Eldership is a job that requires prior experience. The most important for an elder to get this experience is at home. It is at home. So we will unpack our big idea this morning by dividing our passage into two, verse 4 and then verse 5. What we get from verse 4 is this, a good leader in his own household means he has learned to lead sacrificially and wisely. And a second, in verse 5, we will learn that a sacrificial and wise leader is qualified to lead the household of God. There are two households being talked about here. Our household and the household of God. And learning leadership in our own household is training us to be good leaders in the household of God. So let's look at the first one. A good leader in his own household means he has learned to sacrificially, to lead sacrificially and wisely. So read with me. Again, quickly, verses 4 and 5, Paul said, He must manage his own household with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, look at this big question that Paul said, how will he care for God's church? The qualification for caring the household of God is managing our household well. It it looks easy. Like, okay, just manage your household well, and you're now qualified to care for the church of God. Not so fast. Let's unpack this one. With how Paul arranged his thoughts here, we understand that it is non-negotiable. Okay, well, hindi po siya negotiable for any aspiring elder uh, not to be proven able to manage his household well. Take note that. It does not just say manage 
your household. That, that one word that describes how you manage is very important. You are to manage your household well. We are to manage our household well. Let me just give you a time to ponder what comes into your mind when you think of managing your household well. Children are put to bed at the right time. We make sure that after we eat, the dishes are washed and not left in the sink. One of our rules in the house is a thing that is out of place is garbage. So if I find a toy that's not supposed to be there, I sometimes taste them and say, I'll throw this into the garbage because this is out of place. Is that what comes into our mind when we think about managing our household well? Well, surely it is included, but if it is the only thing that is in our mind, it right away tells us that we are not managing our household well. So this is particularly important at the time of Paul because the household does not only mean the family as we know it today, but includes practically everyone who lives in the house. Uh, They had slaves, by the way, at that time living with them, and they were considered part of the household. Notice, for example, that Paul, in admonishing the church to honor Christ with their household, included admonition not only for husbands, wives, and children. What do you notice? Masters and slaves. Now, don't think about masters and slaves in the workplace. The master is the owner of the house, and the slaves are those working with them or their slaves in the house. We find that one, Ephesians 6, 5 to 9, Colossians chapter 3, 22 to 25. So their household were not like ours today, where we only get to manage three or four or five people. It was quite a big household. So think about it. Paul requires the elders to manage their household well during that time, which was quite big. How much more for a family of three today? How much more for a family of four? Very important. And if you are with me, I believe we have the same question in mind. How can we say that we manage our household well? Isn't this subjective, Pastor? For me, that's managing your, my household well. So that's a different way of managing the household. Isn't this subjective? Is there any quantifiable basis for saying that I have managed my household well? For our fathers or any men in this church, or maybe even women, uh, this should be a point of interest to all of us. I want to know, what does it mean to lead well? I want to basically deal on two questions. How can I say that I have managed my household well? And then the second one is, how can I manage well? Sounds the same, right? Now, the first one is the result. The second one is the manner. Okay, the, second, the first one is the result. The second one is the manner. How can I say that I have managed my household well? The second question is, how can I do that? We'll be looking, uh, we will be working our way backward on verse 4. We will start with submissive children. The re- that's the result. And then we will look at the manner with all dignity. With all dignity. We will be able to understand what it means to manage well at the end. Yes. Paul gave a tangible, and I love this, Paul gave a tangible proof of good leadership of the men in the house, which is submissive children. And this is important at the onset, sa pag-start po ng pag-discuss natin dito, because we might be thinking 
that we just, have, we just need to have the most organized house, putting rules on everyone, expecting them to follow. And yet, sometimes, even if there are rules placed in the house and it was followed by children, many times, everyone in the house is resentful of our leadership. Our wife submits to us para wala na lang gulo. Our children might do the things that we ask, but they do not respect us. We might be even stumbling, become a stumbling block to them. And if we have other people living with us or someone helping us in the house, they might just be there because it's their work, but they never felt feel like we care for them. I don't care of how organized our house, it's a failure of leadership. Now for sure, Paul was concerned of the whole household, but he particularly focused on keeping our children submissive. Keeping our children submissive. Let's talk about that a little bit. We already noted when we were studying the submissiveness of the women in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, that submission is not less than yielding, or yung pagsunod po, not less than, but more. Clearly, it involves, you know, being obeyed and followed, but there's more to that. And one should yield or obey because of their high respect. In fact, a wife submits to his husband because she reveres him. She's supposed to de- revere her husband. We can say that our children are submissive not only because they see, we see them following us, but that we know that they respect and revere us. They are not resentful. And by God's grace, our children can even be proud of us. They can even be proud that we are their father. They do not just follow us when we are around. But even without us, they, they want to do that because they love us. For Paul, that picture of our children, that submissive picture of our children where they do not just follow our rules but they do it out of love for us and respect for us for Paul this is something that any father should always should always work on look at what Paul said keeping our children the word keeping there means we have to keep on working that's ongoing And no father should think, you know, being a good father is like a project and then you have arrived there already and then thinking that we have arrived there already and we can now rest because we think we have got it. No, this I think Paul puts this in the present tense because this is an ongoing thing. It means this has become our lifestyle. We are preoccupied of how we can lead well. We are preoccupied of how we can keep our children submissive. With this, we have an idea that my iPad turned off. With this, we have an idea that the key to having submissive children is how we live our lives. Not that we just provided a leadership because there was a problem in the family, but that has become the kind of leadership that we always seek to have. Are we autocratic? Are we lording it over our children? Are we lording it over our wife? I like the fact that qualified that, the quali- that Paul qualified the keeping of our children. He said, yeah, you have to keep on doing this, 
But then Paul qualified this one. Lest we just use power and simply make sure that our children will follow our rules. Paul said, not a chance, fathers, not a chance. I'm not giving you any idea of how you can keep your children submissive. Now, some fathers keep their children submissive by making their eyes big, especially in public. Like, <laughs> I saw that before we were together, and there's a father and daughter, and then I saw his eyes growing big. Paul said, not a chance. It's exactly why he said, with all dignity, with all dignity, keeping their children submissive. With all dignity. That's how Paul wants us to keep our children submissive. This is the kind of leadership that Paul wants the fathers. It is respectable leadership. Or the word dignity here can mean respect or revere. Kapuri-puri. Karisperispeto na klaseng pagiging father. Sabi ko sana, pakarirespeto, respeto na pagtatatay. Now, listen carefully. It is very important here because it is the key to a child's respect towards his father. Your children will be submissive, respecting you because your leadership in the first place is respectable. It is dignified. A child respects his father because his father provides a respectable fatherhood. Let's look into that. A respectable Fatherhood is the kind of leadership that begets respect from our children. And at the heart of that kind of leadership is how we view our children. Fathers, think about this. The reason why we can respect our children or we don't respect our children lies on how we look at our children. Kung tingin po natin sa mga anak natin, palamunin, you know, binibihisan lang natin, pinapadala lang natin sa, sa school, dagdagastos. And we're not respecting our children. Remember, they are our children, yes, but they are image bearers of God. Yes, they live out of what we earned, but before they became our children, they have been created after the image of God and likeness of God. And this is not just true to our children. If we want to respect other people, know very well that God created them after his own image and after his own likeness. It is the reason why Moses said, you know, out of our respect for men, we should not kill men. We should not murder for the reason that they are created after God's own image. Our true value as people is not because we're managers. Our true value as a person is not because of our position. Our true value as a person is we are made after God's own image and likeness. And this should be how we look at our children. This word that Paul used here reminds us, actually, that any person, especially our children, are dignified because they are created after God's own image and likeness. Yes, submission has a sense of keeping our children under control. That's how NASB translated that, keeping our children under control. But it is not merely through our authority, but when we respectfully apply such authority. Paul warned us not to exasperate our children. Maybe some children here are exasperated. Alam niyo po, yung wala na po talaga silang joy dahil pinipilit na lang silang gawin yung gusto nating gawin, uh, gusto nating ipagawas po sa kanila. 
And yes, they obey, but out of anger. These are exasperated children. And Paul said, no, you cannot exasperate your children. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but lead them up or bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Our parenting should not lead our children to anger, but to the Lord through his word. Our parenting should not lead our children to anger, but to the Lord through his word. And the basic question is, how can we lead our children to the Lord instead of anger? Every father should think about it. How can I lead my children not to anger, but to the Lord? That's a challenge. It's quite a challenge, isn't it? If we see our children like how we see others whom we want to lead to the Lord, then we not only preach the gospel, but we also model the gospel to them. Although Titus 1 verse 6, which says, and his children, the elders' children, are believers. Now, I, I believe this is one passage and... There's so many things to talk about. Doesn't teach that all the children of elders should become believers. We don't have guarantee. Pero ang ganda po sana yung ganun, ano? Na may, may assurance ako na pagka mag-ayos lang ako as a pastor, yung mga anak ko makikilala talaga ang Lord. Ayusin ko talaga. But then it depends on me. It does not depend on God's election. But salvation depends on God's election. And that is why this passage is not absolute, if you may. It clearly teaches that their lives should lead their children to embrace Christ, though. So it is safe, then, to say that dignified parenting ceases parenting in light of the gospel. Yung karirespeto, respeto po na kasing uh, pagiging tatay sa pag-aama. We see that parenting in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this tells us that a gospel-centered father should not be either licentious or abusive. A gospel-centered father should not be either licentious or abusive. Where are we leading our children? To our rules or to their wants? To our rules when we are autocratic? To their wants when we are licentious father? To the rule, or rules, to their wants or to the Lord? Where are you leading your children is the question. What kind of father would be one if he truly understood how the Father in heaven loved him, that he gave his son to die for him. If we understand fathers, if we understand what Jesus did for us, or what, how the Father loved us for our good, we will not become licentious fathers. I use the term to mean one whose love for his family is just to give them whatever they want because they think that his children will love him for it. But you know, the problem with that, if we are right now like that, is we are feeding our children's idolatry. And the next time we know, we are raising brats. Isa lang masarap na brat na alam ko yung brat burger sa amin. Pero brat children, that's not good. Abusive parenting is one who simply relies on authority. They are the ones who only insist that they are the father in the family, so they should be obeyed instead of letting their children understand that they too, the, we fathers, are also obeying the Lord like them. 
that the ultimate authority is not us. The ultimate authority is Jesus. Father, fathers who fail to, to point that our children that the, the authority is Jesus and not us, ourselves, fail in our parenting. If yung sinasabi po natin sa mga anak natin uh, stops after we say, I'm the dad, you're supposed to obey me. And that's all that you say to your fathers. We have failed big time. We do not understand the role that the father has given us. Fathers who exercise their authority in obedience to the Lord imply to their children, indirectly telling their children that it is not about me. It is about the Lord and His Word. I remember when my children commit mistakes and I was with my stick and they're crying and I'm about to cry and I do not want to spunk them. But I will always tell them, if I will not spunk you, not only that you sin, I sin against God. So let's both obey the Lord. Mas maganda lang yung role ko. Ako yung magpapalo, ikaw magpapalo. <clears throat> These fathers, from their own reading of the Bible, they understand that life is about Christ it is about the gospel. What they long for for their children ultimately is they will come to know Jesus and they will be very, very careful to live their lives because they want to be highways to Jesus instead of stumbling block for their children and keeping their children to know Jesus. It is for this reason that we fathers should be quick. Should be quick to admit our own sins if they fail the Lord. It's okay, fathers. It's okay to say to your wife, I'm sorry. It's okay to say to your children, I think daddy went beyond what I'm supposed to do. It's okay. It is for this reason that these fathers do not hesitate to ask for forgiveness if they are at fault. It is for this reason that their conversation with their children is not one way, but two way. Yes, we tell our children what we want. But you know, sometimes we are unreasonable and our children will try to reason out why we are reasonable. And, and some fathers who are insecure when their children reason out would right away put a period on the conversation and say, I'm the dad, You're not, I'm not supposed to listen to you, just follow and obey. But dads and fathers, this is Father's Day today. Dads and fathers, many times we are unreasonable. And if we really want to be reasonable at all times, we should learn how to listen. Before, I would always tell my children, no to K-pop. At the back of my mind, they are evil. And what my children told me, that was the difference between K-pop and basketball. <laughs> and then I realized I was, I was providing a, a kind of leadership that just says, I feel danger there, let's not go there. Instead of, and this takes a lot of work because I have to learn what K-pop is. I need to sit down watching, what's that, Bray? That, <laughs> that show that looks for talents. And then five minutes to ten minutes watching, I enjoyed it. <laughs> K-pop is good. No. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we have to listen because we cannot provide an unreasonable leadership. We have to be reasonable. So these fathers do not only make sure that they are obeyed, 
They just truly care for their children so that they are leading them, not simply to themselves, but to the Lord. These fathers knew that they were not the best. They are not. We are not the best for our children. The Lord is. Bring them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. We understand then that consistent with the leadership that we find in all of Scripture, leadership is about caring for people. A good household manager does not think that it is about their rules. Rules are important only as far as they serve the good of the family. If rules hinder what is good, then that is pharisaical. Remember what Jesus said, these Pharisees have a lot of rules. But Jesus brought them to the basic. And Jesus said, man was not made for the law. The law was made for man. It's supposed to serve the good of others. A good household manager. And listen, men in the church, this is the kind of leadership we need to learn. A good household manager is one who truly cares for his family so that he organizes things and sets rules for the good of his family. But it flows out of real care, genuine care, genuine love for, for our family. He must manage his own household well. <clears throat> the word manage, according to Philip Riken has two primary meanings. One is to supervise, and the other is to nurture, to be concerned, or to be concerned. Fatherhood brings both aspects together. The father is the leader who governs the household, but the way he does this is by caring for the needs of each family members. Some fathers will just provide for their families and think they are good fathers already and yet let, leave their families to be so disorganized. On the other hand, some would put a lot of rules and just expect their family to follow, but he does, not, he does it not, not because he truly cares, but to make life easy for them. Here's the kind of fathers here, and I see it from a lot of us is that to make life easy for us, we give our children cell phones and, and gadgets. Okay, here's your gadgets. And really, when we give our gadgets, we're saying, go with your gadget, you know. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. No, that's not good father. A good father as the scripture portrays to us, is one who truly cares for his family so that he orders his family in accordance with what is really good for them. This is what a good manager of his own household is. He is sacrificial and wise in his leadership. A little bit of a sidebar. Isn't this what a good leader is? And not only as a father. If you are a manager in your company, but you do not really care for your people, isn't that bad leadership? So this is not just true in the house, but they think a foundational truth about leadership. To so going back, an aspiring elder should have learned how to lead sacrificially, caring for the good, and wisely giving what is good. How is our leadership? How is our leadership? There's no such thing as perfect leadership. I, too, have to grow. I, too, have my own failures. We can fall on either side of the wagon, we care too much about the rules and no longer care if they really serve the good. Or we always preach that we care, but we do not really 
care enough to exert effort to understand what needs to be implemented if the good of our family should be served. Somehow, growing in our leadership is like being able to balance this tension. How to care and how to govern. But remember that caring is at the heart of leadership, leading to organizing. So the first question for us men in the church, do we truly care that our family would be led to Jesus? Do we really care that our family would be led to Jesus? The second thing is, are we always look, working to organize things for, the, for this end, the end of leading them to Jesus? We should be able to see that we are growing in both caring and organizing because this is the leadership that God would use so that we might have submissive children. Or if he so choose. If he so chooses, by his own grace, we will have believing children. I'm grateful to the Lord. It dawned on us yesterday after we had our orientation for baptism today that our children, that my children, will be baptized today as professing Christians, not as infant um, and because of our faith, but as professing Christians. It's a joy, and we want to lead our families, our children, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it is non-negotiable that an aspiring elder should learn this kind of leadership. This is not just for aspiring elders who are married, but aspiring elders who are singles. Besides, even though we might not have a family yet, we belong to a family. Or we have people who live with us. So we should learn that kind of leadership. So why should an aspiring elder learn this kind of leadership? First, before becoming an elder, let's move to our second point, And this will be quick. A sacrificial and wise leader is able to lead the household of God. A sacrificial and wise leader is able to lead the household of God. Of God. Read with me again, First Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. It reads, He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. I hope we, better un- we now understand that better. Verse 5, For if someone who does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? The work of an elder is caring for God's church. Now we're no longer talking about, I'm no longer talking about my household. We're talking about God's household. And elsewhere, Paul said that the household of God, when he spoke to the elders of Ephesus, he was telling them to care for the church of God. And then he said, which he obtained with his own blood. However important our family per se, that we have to understand my family is part of the church. Our fathers in the, in, in the church, remember that your family is part of the church as well. But however important our family, it is our household. Now I'm speaking in human terms here. It is our household. It is my household. But elders are called to take care of God's household. I think we're getting Paul's point here. Yes, this is a rhetorical question that expects the answer. No, he cannot. But this is also a logical question. It is arguing from lesser to greater. First, we need to ask whose household is greater, ours or the Lord's? And secondly, 
between our household and God's household, which of these demands greater care work? The household of God. The, the answer to both questions is, as far as the, I'm just following Paul's logic here, the answer to both questions is the household of God. Let's look at that one first. It is the household of God and not simply our household. Is it there? Good, because in my, in my outline, it says it is the household of God and simply our household. Now, it is the household of God and not simply our household. We already noted that the household of God is bought with the blood. Acts 20, verse 28. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, Paul said, referring to the church, you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. The book of Ephesians tells us that God has poured every spiritual blessing to the church in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. And we have become members of God's household by the grace of God in Christ Jesus alone. Ephesians chapter 2. Remember Paul said that, that, the, that the church is God's workmanship. It's God's workmanship. You can think of, uh, you can think of Leonardo da Vinci and making his painting. And then at the middle of his painting, he would say, you can do your strokes. And what would you do? Would you not? Would you not be very, very careful? Because this is Leonardo da Vinci's painting. Script, the, 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 the church is God's workmanship. And the church is very important because through it, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said, God displayed his awesome wisdom. In all probability, yes, we should take care of our family first. Because if we will not take care of our family first, we will be disqualified to take care of God's church. But, it does not mean that our family is bought by the blood of Christ. It is the church that Christ bought with his blood. Untested men should not be allowed to lead the church. Secondly, the household of God demands greater care work. The household of God demands greater care work. It is clear in Paul's lesser to greater argument, saying, For if someone does not know how to manage his own household lesser, how will he, be, how will he care for God's church greater? Is it because there are... Why is it greater? Is it because there are many people in the church that are, than our own house? Maybe. But contextually, contextually, we understand that Paul gave these qualifications because of the work of evangelism. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, 1 to 6, and the preservation of the gospel, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. We understand then that the church needs greater care work because if you are leading our family to Jesus, that we might reflect Jesus as a family, how much more the church who is the holder and keeper of the gospel? Do you, do you follow? If in our family, we want to lead well because we want to reflect Christ through our family, how much more when Paul says that the church is the holder and keeper of the gospel. If we longly lead the church to what she wants, or to simply put rules instead of leading them to Jesus, that they might reflect Him, 
how tragic would it be? It's either that the church will become prosperity gospel church or a very legalistic church that just says, do this and do that. We already noted that even being a good household manager manager has caring at the heart of it. Yet Paul is careful. Look at Paul is very careful that we might not wrongly understood or understand how leaders lead the church. Look at with me carefully. Look at the Paul's train of thought. He said, if someone does not know how to manage his own household, what should be the question? The question, if you follow his thought, is for if someone does not know how to manage his household, Paul should have said, how will he manage the church of God? He could have used the word manage. He wanted to make sure that we understand the kind of leadership that elders should have. He said instead, if someone who does not know how to manage, does not know how to manage his own household, he said, how will he care for God's church. Caring. In all of Scripture, shepherding is the primary metaphor of leadership. And in fact, Peter said in 1 Peter 5, verse 2, shepherd the flock that is of God that is among you. Meron po bang mga pastol dito? Hindi pastor. Pastol. Layun talaga natin dito sa mundong ng scripture. But we just know one time I was driving in Cebu and a flock of sheep was in the middle of the highway. You know, they are still lining, but they do not know that they are in the middle of the highway. And I, I thought like, this ship is dumb. And yet then I realized the church is in the middle of a danger, walking like it's a very safe place to be. We're dumb. This word care is used by Jesus himself in Luke chapter 10, verse 34 to 35, when he gave the parable of the good Samaritan. And Luke 10, 34 to 35, it reads, He went to him and bound, his, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care, and whatever you spend, I will repay to you when I come back. That's the same word. In other words, leading the church is about caring. More so, it is about spiritual care. You can afford that I might not be giving you food, at least from your pastor, but you should feel bad if your pastor is not giving you spiritual food. The leaders of the church, early church, they found themselves very busy because there were a lot of new converts into the faith. And there was a need to serve on tables. But do you remember the, the leaders of the church who said, no, we're not going to be busy feeding people. Let's raise up other people to do that one because we cannot neglect the word and prayer. The word and prayer. We also see Paul commended those who labor for preaching and teaching among other elders in 1 Timothy 5, 17. Paul admonished Timothy as the pastor in the church to give himself to preaching and teaching 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. And Paul's idea of teaching and preaching is gospel-centered. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, Paul said, And I am determined to know nothing among you 
except Christ and Him crucified. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, Paul said, Beware of teaching that doesn't fit with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The elders then should primarily care for the church by leading them to the one who can truly take care of them, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have not learned this in our own household, whom we naturally love, how will we do this to the household of God? Men, if our family needs us to lead them to Christ instead of our rules and our wants or their wants, how could we lead the church to Christ when they too are naturally inclined to their wants and to merely adhere to rules? As a pastor, that those are the two things I'm trying to be very careful. To just let the church go pursue what you want. On the other hand, to also be very careful because all of us have are legalistic by nature. To also be very, very careful not to fall on the other side where it becomes about rules. And by the way, as a Reformed church, we already understand where Reformed people should keep themselves because it is so easy to fall into traditions and no longer center everything on Christ. Back to our big idea, becoming a good leader of his own household means one has learned to lead sacrificially and wisely, which is at the heart of leading the household of God. The simple implication is we have to learn. We have to learn men, and for all of us here, we have to learn how to be sacrificial and wise in our leadership in our own homes. As a sort of application, first, we have to learn how to organize. This is where I need to grow. And I'm not going to talk much of the house, but in the church. Here's how we will organize it. We will, the leaders will take care of few, and this few will take care of another few, and this few will take care of another few. There's just no other way. There's just no other way because I was so proud before and arrogant to think I would do everything. And then I realized I could not. And I have to resign and accept the fact that I could not do everything. And I begin to grow in the understanding I need others. And then wisdom tells me to go back to Scripture. And 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, for example, tells us that Paul says to Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, entrust it to faithful men, and these faithful men will also be able to teach others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, Paul said, And he gave the apostles, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints. So that if the saints will be equipped, they will also do the work of ministry. And everyone in the church will be able to do that one for building up the body of Christ. It is only then that we expect that we will attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by Human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes. This is how to biblically organize the church, I believe. So may we have that in our heart. We take care of the small group leaders. The small group leaders takes care of, take care of us so that we can take care of others because we want everyone in the church to be taken care of. But for those who need, of course, their pastor, then we are ready to be there uh, for counseling or any spiritual thing. Secondly, we need to grow in our sacrificial care. We need to grow in our sacrificial care. We need to study more 
about how Christ took care of the church than how successful men became successful. And let me just say that again. We need to study more about how Christ took care of the church than how these successful men became successful. Because for all we know, many things are in contradiction to the kind of leadership that Christ wants us to learn. So as we close, aspiring elders cannot overlook their leadership in their house and think that they can lead in the church. They have to learn how to lead their household sacrificially and wisely so that they are able to lead the household of God. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.